Well, good morning, officially. It's good to see y'all this morning. If you've got your Bibles, I pray that you do. Turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. I got my shirt wet, so I'm preaching in my t-shirt, so I hope some of y'all don't mind that. (laughs) All right, Ephesians chapter 4. Yeah, and one more time, I know we stand a lot, but this is just to give reverence and, and acknowledging that this is more than just a book. It's the living Word of God. Ephesians chapter 4, and I'd like to read verse 17 through 24. If you have it on your phones, I'm reading from the ESV Bible this morning, the English Standard Version. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. It says, Now this I say, and I testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, but that is not the way that you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self that is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You can be seated. And let's go to the Lord in prayer as you're seated. Father, we come to you this morning, and um, Lord, we just want to say thank you for the demonstration that you've given us of, um, of this new creation that you make. Father, I thank you that, um, Lord, you have done a work in Matthew and Monty's hearts. And Father, I just pray, God, that you would help us to, to renew their minds, Father, to, to help them to walk out and put on the Lord Jesus Christ and live in, in true righteousness and holiness. And Father, as I prayed earlier, I just ask you, God, that, Lord, that even though you let us know that we're going to battle with sin, Father, I pray, God, that they would be people that confess their sin quickly that repent from their sin quickly. Father, I pray that they would trust in Your faithfulness to forgive them and to cleanse them of all of their unrighteousness because of what You and You alone have done for them. Father, I pray this morning that as we read Your Word, Father, that You would help us to see what what it looks like once this new life has begun, once, Father, we have trusted in You by faith. Lord, I pray that, Lord, You would help us to see that it's not just a decision we make, It is a new creation. It is a life that You have given us to live for Your honor and Your glory. And so, Father, I pray this morning that You would help us to see the beginning of that and that, Lord, we can be a church that actually teaches this and helps people to live it out. So, Father, we love You. We ask You to do this in Your precious Son's name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have been going through the series with you that I went through with the youth on what it means to be born again. And as I said earlier, being born again is so much more than just believing. Thank you, buddy. 
It is so much more than just saying a prayer. Being born again means that there has been a work of God in your heart that literally, Jesus described it to Nicodemus like this. He said, you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. And then He gave him an example and a demonstration of what that looks like because God always gives us physical pictures of spiritual realities. And in this physical picture, He used the illustration of the wind. He said, Nicodemus, the wind blows wherever it wishes. You don't know where it comes from, and you don't know where it goes. But you know that it's been there. So it is with everyone who has been born of the Spirit. And so what we know is that God literally opens our eyes through the Gospel, through the hearing of His Word, and He shows us that we are sinners under His wrath, that we are enemies of His because of our sin. And when He opens your eyes to that, and He points you to the Gospel of Jesus Christ, He gives you the good news of John 3.16 that says very simply, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever should believe on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so in the Gospel, we believe that Jesus was crucified for our sin And we trust in that by faith and we believe in that. And God literally does a cleansing work in our heart. And He gives us a new life to walk in. Now, the problem is that in today's Gospel, too many people are preaching that just come up here and just pray this prayer. Just just believe in Jesus and and you're going to be saved. They are not teaching that being born again literally means that you become a new creature. You don't walk the way you used to walk. Your eyes have been opened to your sinful walk that it was dishonoring and did not glorify God. And it actually caused you to walk as an enemy of God. But in the Gospel, you come to believe that you need new life. And as you believe on Jesus, God gives you new life. And in this new life, we begin to walk different. And that's the first thing that I would like for us to see in Ephesians chapter 4. Beginning in verse 17 again, it says this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Now let me show you how the Gentiles walked. Hold your place there and go to Ephesians chapter 2 beginning in verse 1, because Paul had just told them who they used to be before they came to know Christ. And here's who they used to be, and here's how they used to walk. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, he says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once what? Walked, following the course of this world. So the walk that you used to walk was a walk that everybody else in the world walked. Let me tell you something. If you are a so-called Christian today, but your walk is the same as everybody else in this world, and there's really not much difference between you and anybody else in this world, except you get up and go to church on Sunday, there's reason to question whether or not you've ever truly been born again. And I don't say that to demean anybody. I say that out of genuine concern, out of genuine love that in the hopes that your eyes will be open to cry out to God, to say, God, 
I'm not any different. I walk just like everybody else walks. And if that's you, then I pray that you would open your eyes and that you would see what it means to be a sinner under the wrath of God and you would trust in Christ and be saved. But notice what it says. It says, "...in which you once walked following the course of this world, and the world follows the prince of the power of the air, or Satan." And Satan is the spirit that is now at work in all the sons of disobedience. And then look at verse 3. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. So there's the first problem with the old walk. It was according to the passions of your flesh, right? Whatever feels good, do it. And is that not what the world teaches today? Who are you to judge anybody is what the world will say. We're all sinners. Yes, you're exactly right. But let me explain something to you. We can't continue to follow the passions of our flesh. Just because my heart, everybody, the, 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 um, the wisdom that today's theology teaches is just follow your heart. Anybody ever heard that? If your heart leads you this way, just follow it. Well, let me tell you what the Bible says about your heart. The heart is evil, deceitful, wicked above all things. Who can know it? is what Jeremiah says about the heart. You can't follow your heart. The passions of this flesh do not lead to godliness. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But he says next, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. So there again, you had passions of your flesh. Your heart was impure. You had um, desires of the body and the mind was impure. And because of that, you were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But look at verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So that's who He's talking to. Go back to Ephesians chapter 4. He's talking to people that has supposedly been dead in their sins, but now God has made them alive in Him. And now they are walking and following Him. So based on that, He says to them in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And here's how they walk. In the futility of their minds. Literally, their minds are useless. You know why? That's what that word futility means. The reason why their minds are useless is because your minds were made to honor and glorify God. You were created to enjoy this creation in such a way that when you looked at it all, it pointed you to the Maker and you worshipped Him. Let me give you an example. When you stand in front of the ocean. Anybody in here ever stood in front of the ocean? You stand in front of the ocean and you look at how vast this thing is in the sands of the seashore. And you sit back and you enjoy the breeze and you love every moment of it. But the point being is, it was never made to be for the end result of that ocean to be for your pleasure. He did make it for your pleasure, but He made it for His glory. He made it so that when you sit and you enjoy that and you look at that, all it does is lead you up to the One who made it. And you look and you say, what kind of God must He be to create something like this? Or when you stand in front of the Grand Canyon, how many visitors go to the Grand Canyon every year? And how many of them do you think ever stop long enough to go, 
How amazing is God? But instead, most people stand at His creation and all they do is just enjoy it. And they really believe that it was created just for their pleasure. And so their minds become futile because your minds were created to be able to enjoy all of this and it leads you to worship Him and stand in awe of Him. But instead, we follow the passions of our own flesh. We follow, I'm the God of my life. God is not God, I'm God. I do whatever I want, whenever I want, and nobody can tell me what to do. That's the way you come out of the womb. That's the way you are as a teenager. And that's the way you are as an adult until God saves your soul. You walk in the futility of your minds. Uh, Romans chapter 1 verse 28 the Apostle Paul said it like this, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Y'all see that? You had minds that were given to you for the glory and honor of God, but instead of doing that, your minds became futile, useless, because they are not fulfilling their purpose, and you're going to enjoy it for a season, and when it's done, it's done. And there was no real purpose for it. In uh, Ephesians chapter 4, again, look at um, the beginning of verse 18. So because you have useless minds and debased minds that refuse to acknowledge God, in verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding. Literally, you were made to have the light of God in you, in your understanding, and instead your understanding becomes darkened to the point that you can't even see the glory of God anymore. You don't look for the glory of God. How many of us get up every day sitting on a giant blue ball spinning at a thousand miles per hour? I'm talking about the earth if you don't know what I'm talking about. That's attached to nothing. You get up and you watch this giant ball of fire in the sky that gives you just enough warmth. And if you stand in it just a little too long, it burns the top of your head if you like me. And yet we get up every day and we look at this creation and we never stop to acknowledge God. We just act like this is normal. You know why I love to watch newborn babies? I love to watch babies when their eyes are opening up. I love to, to hold a child that is, uh, that's just seeing the world for the first time. Because you know what they do? You know why they're doing that? You think it's because you're funny, don't you? No, you're not funny. They are amazed at everything they see. They're seeing it for the first time. And imagine if you had never seen any of this and you woke up with minds that could comprehend it and with understanding that could take it in and you saw it for the first time in your life and it pointed you to the one who did it and who made all this, you wouldn't be darkened in your understanding and your minds wouldn't be futile. But unfortunately, that's where we are. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, look at what he says, in, what the Apostle Paul says here. For although they knew God, and the previous verse before that says the way they knew God is because the creation proclaims God. There's no way you can look at this creation and say there is no creator. There's no way you can look at this building and go, ah, nobody built it. No, 
you know the Creator exists because the creation exists. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but became futile in their thinking. Their foolish hearts were what? They were darkened. Go back with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18 again. They are darkened in their understanding. This is the way the Gentiles walk. They have useless minds. They're darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Again, this is lack of knowledge. They just, they're not able to see it. They're not able to comprehend it. Even though they know it's there, their minds are futile, their hearts are darkened, and they can't take it in. But it is due, the reason they're ignorant is because it's due to their hardness of heart. They don't want God. They don't want to acknowledge God. They refuse to honor Him as God. They refuse to give thanks to Him, and instead they are the God of their own life. And a lot of people would say to themselves, I don't live that way. I don't refuse God. Let me tell you something. When this life is all about you and what you want, people say, well, well, I'm closest to God when I'm playing golf, or I'm closest to God when I'm... No, you're not. No, you're not. You're closest to the passion of your flesh, to the passion of what you desire. Now, that don't mean that, that we, again, we're made to enjoy all of His creation, but it ought to always point us to honor Him and glorify Him and follow Him and His ways, not what we think are, are His ways. And this is what He's saying in, in Ephesians chapter 4. So keep reading with me. In verse 19, they have become callous. So because they have hard hearts, they have futile minds, they have darkened understanding, they have become callous. Anybody in here know what calluses are? <laughs> hey, you hush your mouth and sit down. <laughs> calluses. I'll let you come feel a few. Calluses. Literally, when you have done something and you've rubbed a spot in some way for so long that it becomes to lose its feeling. It begins, the skin begins to get hardened. And so basically, it's not able to feel the way that it used to feel, right? And in the same way, because of our hard hearts, because of our, our futile minds, and because of our darkened understanding, we become calloused to our sin, and to the pleasures of this flesh. And we have given ourselves up to sensuality. Literally, what that means is unbridled fleshly lust. What does it mean when you unbridle something? No control, right? And so sensuality means to have no control over the flesh. I was watching a... My wife loves to watch these... Um, murder mysteries and, and snapped and all this other stuff. Y'all women know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all some of y'all men, maybe you're part woman or something, but y'all know what I'm talking about too. <clears throat> but I, I can't say nothing because I got up one day and it, the TV was on there and the storyline caught my attention. Maybe I got a little girl in me too. I don't know. But the storyline caught my attention. And I normally don't like watching stuff like that, but I started watching it. And it was about this guy that had turned into a basically a serial murderer and rapist. And he began as a peeping Tom. 
And the investigator said that when they first started investigating this, they were looking for a peeping Tom that had been reported for so long, and they kept looking and kept looking, and, and people kind of played it off like it's really not that big a deal. And the investigator said, no, you don't understand. It starts out that way. Before long, that's not enough, and it moves on to something else. And before long, that's not enough and it moves on to something else, and it has to be more and more and more. And this is the way that sin does in our lives. I, I, I minister to people a lot that are addicted to pornography, and that's a big thing today. And it'll always start out as something simple. And little bit by little bit, it's not enough, and it has to be a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And what happens is you become calloused to it and it has to it has to be a little bit more than what it was before because now you don't feel the same way that you do and so this is what it's saying is that they become callous and they give themselves up to sensuality that the more you let sin rule in your life the more callous you become and the more it continues to grow worse and worse and worse some of y'all know what I'm talking about you know exactly what I'm talking about. But then he goes on, he says, they are greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And then look at verse 20. But that is not the way that you learned Christ. If indeed, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. In other words, if you have truly heard about Jesus, if you have truly been taught in Him, then the life that you're living is now turning around. Now, does that mean again that you still don't fight with that sinful flesh? No. Paul said very plainly, man, I want to do what is right and I'm fighting so hard to do what is right, but I look and I see sin in me and I hate it. I hate my sin. And that is what a true Christian looks like. He's at war with his sin or her sin, whichever the case may be. But Paul says here that if you have been born again, you cannot continue to walk the way that you walk. How can you be buried with Christ and rise up to walk in new life and yet continue to walk in the old life? Does that make sense? No, we can't. So he says here, that is not the way you learn Christ. So here's what I get from this. We have to enroll in the school of Christ. Now let me tell you something. School was not my thing. I hear people all the time, uh, they'll say, man, if I could go back to school, I'd go back to school and I'd do this and I'd go back to my parents. Mm -mm, no. Y'all go ahead. I'm happy out of school. I'm just fine. Matter of fact, I couldn't get out of there quick enough. And so the thing that we have to understand is that we are creatures that have to be taught. And I didn't like it. Matter of fact, I went through school. I never read books. I spent my time in reading comprehension classes and in speech classes. And, and I didn't want to do anything that had to do with school. And I almost didn't graduate until I found out that I wasn't going to graduate. And the last couple of semesters, I guess it was, my wife had to tell you, I think it was the last couple of semesters, I finally cracked down and realized that if I don't get this thing together, I'm going to have to spend 
some more time in this thing. And I ain't interested in spending no more time in this thing. And so I got my act together, and my last two semesters, I was basically a straight-A student because I had I had an inspiration to want to learn because I wanted to get out of there. And so I learned all that I could learn so that I could graduate, and I did. I got out of there. But the thing that, that I have learned in the Christian faith is that if you don't understand that you need to learn from Christ in order to walk in this new life, then you're going to have no desire to enroll in the school of Christ. You're going to be happy with just being saved, if you will. And you're going to be happy with just living your life exactly what, the way you do, and you'll actually say to yourself, well, I'm okay because I'm not as bad as... or I'm at least better than... Or I'm not a murderer, and I'm not a rapist, and I'm not, I, I'm not a thief, and, and, and listen, you've, you've missed it. You've missed it. You have now been given a new life to walk in such a way that you don't just not do bad things, but you live in such a way that everything you do is to the honor and the glory of God through Jesus Christ. And notice what he says next in verse 22. Here's what we learn from Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self that is what? It's created. This new self is a new creation that God is doing inside of you. But notice between, notice what comes between the putting off of the old and the putting on of the new. Look at verse right in the middle at verse number 23. What's in between the old, the putting off of the old and the putting on of the new? The renewing of the mind. You must be renewed in your mind. You know why? Because your minds are debased. You remember Romans chapter 1, verse 28? Therefore, because they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to debased minds to do those things which are not fitting to do and ought not to be done. And now you have to renew your mind to fall. This is where the battle comes in. Because let me tell you, you can fight I, 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 let me put myself out here. I can fight something I can see. And matter of fact, a lot of times, if, if it's not too much stronger than me, I can beat it. But if you've ever faced an enemy like your own mind, y'all know what I'm talking about? Your mind. The passions of your flesh. Now that's a battle. One of the most beautiful things about heaven for me personally, and I'm sure I'm going to get there and I'm going to find things that are probably more beautiful, but just right now, one of the most exciting things about heaven for me is I don't have this mind anymore. I, I don't have these passions that I have anymore that are ungodly. I don't fight with my own sin anymore because it is gone. But until then, now that I'm walking, following Christ, not like the rest of the world, I'm walking in a new mind. 
And I'm renewing this mind day after day after day. How do I do that? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, I believe it is. Look at what, look at what Paul said. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. So we're, we're looking at the glory of the Lord with an unveiled face. We see it clearly. And if you were to go back a couple of verses, you would see the way we do this is by looking at Jesus. Is what he said. When one turns to the Lord, we see the glory of God. So we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into what? The same image. Literally, as we come in here and gaze at Jesus Christ, the life that He lived, the way that He lived, the way He handled situations, the way He loved people, the way He forgave people, when we come in here and we study Jesus, it says here that as we behold that glory of the Lord... We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Every day, we ought to be transformed a little bit more, a little bit more, and a little bit more. But let me tell you something. If all you do is just come to church, or all you do is just try to be good, the truth of the matter is you are not being transformed into the image of the glory of the Lord. Because the only way to be transformed is by beholding and considering and gazing upon Jesus and His life. That's why we come to church. That's why. Ain't it interesting that if you were to go back to Ephesians chapter 4 in the beginning and right there at the few verses before we get here, he's talking about the body of Christ and the importance of maintaining unity and how God put prophets and preachers and teachers and, and shepherds in the church and how we're supposed to help one another grow in the body of Christ. The reason being is because it's in the church and it's in what God is doing in the church that we are able to behold Jesus, that we're able to be transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the other. And I love this next part. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. See, that's what happened in the new birth. It is a spirit birth. You were born of the Spirit. In Ezekiel chapter 36, um, I think it was verse 25 and 26 is where we were. But God came in and He told them, I am going to give you a new heart. I am going to give you a new mind. I am going to put my Spirit in you. I am going to cause you to walk in my ways. In other words, in the new birth, God gives you a heart and a mind that says, I want to follow God. I want to be honoring and glorifying to Him. I want to acknowledge who He is. And I want to walk with Him. But it only happens when we are renewed in the spirit of our minds day after day after day. So again, if we're going to enroll in the school of Jesus, we have to understand that we're not just here this morning just to hear a good band play, hear a song. People say, well, I prefer the old. Somebody else says, well, I prefer the new. Let me explain something to you. The most important thing is about the truth that's being spoken in it. Is there a truth about God to be learned, to be worshipped, to be adored? Is there something in this that is biblically founded, and it better be if we're singing it here, is there something in this song that is biblically founded that points me 
to who Jesus is and for me to help to be taught and trained by Him to be more like Him. That is why we come together and that is how we are renewed in the spirits of our mind. We enroll in the church and we actually become a part of it to learn. And in this process, notice in verse 22 of Ephesians chapter 4, we put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. So first off, let's kind of evaluate the difference between the old and the new. Alright, so what's the first thing you see about the old self? It belongs to what? The flesh, the former manner of life. So again, I don't walk the way that I used to walk. I'm different. I'm changed. I, the, uh, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, I think it is, he said, Behold, if the, anyone be in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. All old things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so in this we see that the old self belongs to the former manner of life and we are to actually do something here. We're to put it off. See, listen, this is something that God is doing in you, but only because He gives you the power to do it. He opens your eyes to it. But now that your eyes have been opened, you've been given a mind and a heart that wants to follow God, now you have a responsibility to put off the old and to put on the new. You can't be a born-again believer, a born-again Christian, and walk in this life and not put off the old and not put on the new. And again, I, I don't say that to try to make anybody feel less than this morning. I'm hoping that if that's you, but you know you've been born again, you know God has opened your eyes, you know what it means to be a sinner, you know what it means to trust in Christ. I'm hoping maybe this morning is the morning that you humble yourself before Him and say, God, I'm sorry, I've failed you. And let me tell you what First John said. We studied it last week. If we'll confess our sin, you know what He'll do? He is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. And so I pray that no matter which side of the fence you land on this morning, I pray that you would understand that you have to enroll in the school of Jesus. Your mind has to be renewed and you have to put off the old and you have to put on the new. So the first part of the old self belongs to your former manner of life. The other part about the old self, it's corrupt. And the reason it's corrupt is because it has deceitful desires. But we're being renewed in the spirit of our minds. And verse 24 says, and we put on the new self. And I love this next word right here because we miss this so often. This is not just behavior modification. Being born again is not just now I've got to quit doing some things and I've got to try to be better. That's not what it is. It's a work that God is doing in your life. It's a work where God points out to you and says, hey, this, is, this has got to be worked on. This has got to be changed. This has got to be confessed. This has got to be repented on. And this here says that it's created. It's something that God does inside of you. 
And as you listen to Him and you learn from Him and you follow Him, you put off the things that don't belong that you learn from Him. So it's not just that you're going to go home from church today and say, okay, I'm going to quit drinking. (laughs) Okay. You know, there's Christians that drink. Don't get me wrong, drunkenness is a sin. Absolutely. You can go home and quit drinking. Do you think that makes you a Christian? No. No, but instead, if the Holy Spirit is at work in you and says, hey, Brother Nick, this is not the way that honors and glorifies me. And Nick says, I hear you. And he lets the work of God take place in his life and he puts off the thing that don't belong and he puts on something that is honoring and glorifying to God. Through this renewed mind that he has, there you see the new creation coming to life. Not just Nick trying to be better. So I don't want you to go home here and say, okay, I gotta be better, I gotta be better, I gotta be better. No, you'll never be good enough to be better because you're a sinner. But what you can do is let God go to work in your life and let Him show you and teach you. And as He shows you, it's not an overnight change. But as He points these things out to you, you let the work of God take place in your life. And it says here, we put on the new self because it's created. And here's what the new self looks like. It's after the likeness of God. It looks like God. It looks like the image of Jesus Christ. And it is in true righteousness, and it is in true holiness. And so there we see that it is completely opposite of everything that the old self is. The old self is the former manner of life, the way the rest of the world walks. The new self is like God and the way that God walks. This is the reason why if you were to go over to Ephesians chapter um, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, look at how he starts out, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. What's that first word of Ephesians 5? Therefore, right? Therefore. In other words, based on everything I said, therefore, what are you supposed to do? Be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So I guess this morning, yeah, I'm talking to people like Monty and Matthew, no doubt. But let's just be honest. Today's Christian is a Christian who believes that all I had to do was come up here and say a prayer and just... Believe in Jesus. You know what James said about believing in Jesus? The demons believe in Jesus. Does that save them? No, it don't save them. I'm not talking about believing in Jesus alone. I'm talking about believing in Jesus in such a way that the work of God starts to take place in your life and you live different. And you walk different. And let me tell you something. It is in the school of Christ that we learn. I'm going to be gone next week, but my plan is to come back and spend some time in the school of Christ. 
We're going to spend some time following through in Ephesians chapter 4 right here and looking at what the school of Christ looks like, some practical applications and what that looks like in your life so that you can actually go through it, listen to the Holy Spirit, and go through the process of either putting off the things that don't belong or putting on the things that do belong or both, whichever the case may be. But here's my point that I want to get across to you this morning, more important than anything else. If you are here this morning and you say, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower, but you walk like the rest of the world walks, this would be a good morning for you to humble yourself before Him and cry out to Him and say, God, I need to be born again. God, I need Your Spirit to come and do a work in my heart I need to trust in Jesus and believe on Him and I need you to change me. Give me new life. This morning, maybe you're here and you know that you're a Christian, but the truth of the matter is you're not interested in learning in the school of Christ. You're like I was in school. The truth of the matter is you're failing miserably. And you may be even being close to not graduating. Y'all know where I'm talking with that analogy, right? And if that's you this morning, I want to remind you what 1 John says to you. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and we make Him out to be a liar. But if we confess our sin, He is faithful and He is just to forgive us. You know why He's just to forgive us? He's just because Jesus has already paid for it. Jesus paid for your past sins, your present sins, and even the future sins you ain't even committed yet. And so when we come to Him and we confess our sins, He's faithful and He's just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. And you can get up today and you can enroll in the school of Christ and you can begin to truly grow in Him and not walk like the rest of the world walks but to live in such a way that you acknowledge God, that you honor God, that you give thanks to God, and that you glorify God in everything you do because you follow the Lord Jesus Christ in His ways.